ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನಚಿರಂಧ್ಯಾನಂಜನ ಶ್ರಲಾಕಯ ಚಕ್ಷುರ್ಮಿಲಿತಂಗೀನಸ್ಮೈಶ್ರೀಗುರುಭೇನಮಃ anything horrible can happen to anybody at any time in any place just like uh, people of chernobyl were peacefully going about their lives when the terrible accident happened there it's an ordinary time similar to kiro but a terrible disaster took place there uh, so we are shocked and we hope that such a thing will not happen to us actually when the question comes uh, why do such terrible things happen in america we naturally think of the recent terrorist attacks there when we are asked why do why do such terrible things happen in america it's it's presumed that the question is about the terrorist activities which we see to face but actually there are many terrible things happening there at every second so many animals are being slaughtered so many uh, babies are being killed in the womb so there must be a reaction we learn in school that on the physical platform for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction so there is the subtle platform also on which the law of karma is enacted so uh, people are committing sinful activities therefore they get results uh, we become shocked when so many people are killed at once but actually everyone has to die sometimes sometimes there's a plane crash and we say oh a catastrophe 150 people killed but uh, so many people many more than 150 people are, are killed daily just simply by old age or diseases So everyone has to die. No one wants to die. Everyone has to suffer. So in Bhagavad Gita, the position of the material world is analyzed as a place of suffering. In Bhagavad Gita, this material world is described as Dukhalayama Shashvatam. It is a place full of misery. And everything here is temporary. Even if those people working in the World Trade Center had not been killed by terrorist activities, they would have died sooner or later. The suffering of this material world is further described in Bhagavad Gita. Janna mithyu jiravyadhi dukha dosham darshanam And that we should be intelligent enough to see that there are at least four kinds of miseries in this material world. Birth, death, old age and disease. Everyone has to suffer this. So when such uh, catastrophes happen as terrorist acts or earthquakes in which so many people are killed, Uh, we become shocked because we feel that, well, we should be able to live our lives peacefully and happily. But no one can live peacefully and happily. We desire that, but we cannot attain it within this material. So an intelligent person should ask why. Americans are supposed to be very intelligent people. If they weren't very intelligent, how, uh, how could they have made such a technologically advanced civilization? However, we have to know that despite all that technological advancement, They are not happy. And for all their technological advancement, they have to die. When, when they become very sick, they can go to a very 
specialized hospital. They can have so many different varieties of apparatus stuck into their bodies. And apparatus. And they can, uh, in a very up-to-date, modern, scientific way, give so many different parts. Respiratory function ceased. Heartbeat, zero. Brainwave, stopped. Scientifically proclaimed dead. So for all your scientific advancement, we cannot stop there. Therefore, that intelligence which is being used to try to make life comfortable is a misplaced intelligence. Real intelligence doesn't, uh, is, is not used to try to make a comfortable situation in this material world. If we are really intelligent, we should see that uh, we cannot stay here forever. So we should use our intelligence to inquire into a uh, happy situation beyond birth. Modern civilization is basically atheistic. People are not inquiring into life beyond them. We are taught as if it, uh, at school as if it's an axiomatic fact that life is simply a product of chemicals. But actually there is uh, much spiritual knowledge which uh, has been given by ancient civilizations which teaches us about the soul. Now, the soul cannot be seen by any material means. It is not possible to, to scientifically uh, See, to scientifically ascertain the position of the soul. Because modern science only deals with that which we can perceive through the senses. But the soul, by definition, is non-material. So to understand the soul, we have to adopt non-material process or spiritual process. An actually intelligent person should consider this. That even if we become so very much materially advanced, that will not help us to be happy or to achieve peace even in this life. However materially advanced may be, at any moment, terrorist attack, an earthquake, or any other kind of catastrophe and strength. So an intelligent person should consider uh, how I can actually be happy. That we desire to be happy suggests that we should be happy. But we cannot be actually happy in a place where there is death. Now, the Vedic literatures, which are the uh, most ancient, literatures of spiritual knowledge. Teach us, asatoma sadhgamana, come out of this material existence and come to real spiritual existence. The most important activity in human life is to understand our spiritual nature. In Bhagavad Gita, the soul is described as indestructible. This body is certain to die, but the soul is eternal. This we should understand. This is the first lesson of spiritual knowledge. Without knowing this, human civilization is no more advanced than that of the animals. Uh, human society is supposed to be very technologically advanced at the present time. But basically, people are working hard just to fulfill their bodily necessities. Everyone's whole existence centers on fulfilling the needs of eating, sleeping, sex, and having some shelter or a home. But the animals are also doing it. The animals are also busy looking for food, uh, looking for sex, and uh, finding some shelter to protect themselves against the cold and where they can sleep comfortably. So for all its uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles and its uh, cell phones and computers and all these gadgets, human society on the level of consciousness 
She's not more advanced than I am. So we are not particularly impressed by these things. We can use, just like you see, we have a microphone, we can use it instead. But we don't think that because modern society has produced a microphone that it is intrinsically advanced. Real advancement means advancement of consciousness. To understand who I am and what is the purpose of life. Real human life begins with Atato Brahma Jinyasa. But now we have attained the human form of life, we should inquire into spiritual knowledge. Now we may say that, well, we also believe in God and we pray to God. But generally people pray to God to fulfill their materialistic propensity. Dear God, give me more money. So this is not actually on the spiritual platform. The spiritual platform means where we uh, go beyond simply our bodily needs. Because the first lesson of spiritual life is to understand the difference between soul and the body. This body is simply a combination of chemical. But the soul is that which gives life to the body. Without the presence of the soul, the body is simply a corpse. Just like in every language of the world, if someone dies, we say, he's gone away. I remember when my, uh, I was very small and my paternal grandfather died. I was told, uh, when I visited my grandmother's home, I asked, well, where's my grandfather? He's told, he's gone away. So I asked, well, when is he coming back? He said, oh, you don't understand, he's not coming back. Well, why not? Doesn't he like you anymore? Later I understood he died. So we say, he has gone away. But what or who has gone away? The body is still there. So why do we say he has gone away? Actually the soul has gone away. The soul is the person. The body is not the person. You cannot relate to a dead body. You say, you see, I love my girlfriend. And you exchange looks with each other. But the same body of your girlfriend, if the, if the body dies if the soul goes away, then you no longer love that body. You no longer want to embrace or kiss that body. You have to burn it or bury it. So people may say, well, how do you do it? You love your girlfriend, then why are you burning? Why are you burning? You should burn the dead body. That means that you understand that actually the person has gone away. The person is different to the body. If you think the person is the body, then why do we weep when the body dies? Because the body is still there. Or if you think the person is the body, then why should we burn the body and bury it? This is practical proof that everyone understands that the person is not the body. But because we're not trained in this spiritual knowledge, somehow in our practical day-to-day life, we, we don't make the distinction between the soul and the body. So the first lesson of spiritual knowledge is to understand this simple fact, the soul is different to the body. In material consciousness we identify with the body. Everyone is thinking, I'm Russian, or I'm American, I'm a tough guy. But this is only in relation to the body. Because our body is born in a land which we call Russia, although actually intrinsically it's simply a land, it doesn't have any particular name. But because of that we think, I am a Russian. But the soul is not Russian or American. The soul is free from such designation. Because of identifying with the body, we make friends and enemies. Someone was thinking, uh, we don't like Americans, we should kill them. And therefore they perpetrated some terrorist acts. But uh, this is only on the bodily platform. They're not understanding that actually uh, every living being is part and parcel of God. Every living being is spirit soul. 
So even on the material platform, if you want to live peacefully, you have to cultivate spiritual knowledge. Otherwise, because of artificial uh, material designations, we will fight like cats and dogs. So spiritual knowledge is required for progressive human life. The first thing is required to understand the difference between the soul and the body. body is temporary, but I am eternal and eternal spirit soul. Now if we understand this, then our priorities in life will be adjusted. Of course, we are in these bodies, therefore we require some food, clothing, shelter and so on. But if we understand that we are eternal spirit souls, then our priority in life will not simply to, be get, to, to get food, shelter, clothing and all these things. We will understand that our real necessity in life is to gain spiritual knowledge. And not simply spiritual knowledge, but practical spiritual realization. So many people are asking that, why is it that people in America and Russia and so many countries are uh, looking to Krishna consciousness? Well, one answer is that people are looking for tangible spiritual knowledge. It is not it, simply to ask God to give us our daily bread. That may fulfill our stomach's need, but it doesn't fulfill our spiritual need. We are by nature spiritual beings. We have spiritual needs. We cannot be satisfied simply with food, clothing, shelter, and sex. As, as spiritual living beings, our spiritual need is to love God. In this material world, we talk of love, but what goes on in the name of love is uh, mutual sense gratification extremes. We see that, uh, for instance, men, they, they fall in love with beautiful young women. So they're falling in love, it's basically a physical attraction. And although they write books and poetry and songs about love, it's the same attraction that uh, the male horse feel, feels for the female, the male dog feels for the female, and so on. It is an animalistic propensity. The spiritual nature of love is that which is for God. Again, when we say God, then we have so many preconceptions or misconceptions of what that means. God means the Supreme Person. But he also means, God means Krishna, the all-attractive reservoir of pleasure. So our spiritual need is to love Krishna. That love is uh, an act of giving ourselves to Krishna. That means only spiritual in which one does not expect any material gain or profit from loving Krishna. That is a very great subject. It is an essential subject. Without understanding this, our life remains empty and unfulfilled. So in the uh, ancient civilization of India, understanding this topic was considered the most important. The ancient civilization of India was even materially advanced. We find ancient Indian texts which describe uh, in detail the cosmology. The ancient Indian texts give uh, precise knowledge of the movements of the planets. There's also advanced medical science in what is called the Ayurveda. And in so many different facets of material existence, ancient Indian civilization was very advanced. However, uh, simply material progress was not considered the goal of that civilization. The aim of that civilization was that every human being should uh, maximize their spiritual realization. 
the highest attainment was considered to be to understand God. In modern civilization, if someone has a, someone is considered very advanced, if he has a very big house, a lot of money, many servants. But in uh, ancient Indian civilization, someone was considered very advanced if he lived in a tiny hut in the forest with no money and simply ate fruit from the forest, he controlled his senses, he formed austerities, and was absorbed in love of God. So this is actual advancement of civilization, uh, advancement of consciousness, specifically consciousness of God, or even more specifically, Krishna consciousness. So of course the condition of human society has changed at the present time. We cannot change the condition of the world overnight. But uh, whatever situation we are in, we should try to develop our spiritual consciousness or Krishna consciousness. So there is a very uh, easy and practical way which everyone can do that. People in the modern age cannot practice severe austerity as was done previously. And people are not trained in spiritual knowledge in the deep way that they were previously. So in this age, which is called Kali Yoga, or the age of darkness, ignorance and hypocrisy, there is a, a special process which we can take up. In this Kali Yoga, everyone can chant the Hare Krishna mantra and attain the goal of spiritual growth. It is very simple to chant this mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Simply by chanting this mantra, everyone can develop a spiritual consciousness. Mm. Of course, if one needs a pure lifestyle, that will help him to more quickly advance the spiritual consciousness. And therefore, it is recommended that one also lead a pure life by uh, not eating uh, non-vegetarian foods. In our Krishna conscious movement, the members, they don't eat meat or fish or eggs, or even garlic or onions, and they don't take any intoxication, not even tea or coffee, uh, they don't engage in any kind of gambling, uh, nor illicit sex, that means uh, sex indulged in an animalistic way. So all the principles help us to lead a pure life, so that we can develop our spiritual consciousness. As I said, it's a very great subject. The essence of Krishna consciousness is very simple. To understand that we are not these bodies, but that we are eternal spirit souls. And we have an eternal loving relationship with Krishna. And to develop or revive that relationship is the purpose of human life. That can be done, especially by chanting the Krishna mantra. So these are the basic principles of Krishna consciousness. It's very simple. Of course, there is a very great uh, philosophy and culture behind this. So in our Krishna Conscious Room, we produce many books, which are mostly translations from the ancient Sanskrit Vedic literatures, which systematically present the authorized and ancient science of Krishna Consciousness. So afterwards, we'd like to present some of these books, some of these books. But in the meantime, if you have any questions, you may please ask and I'll try to answer them. And then afterwards, there'll also be distribution of prasadam. Prasad means that food which is offered to Krishna, vegetarian of course. And then there'll be a concept also, Krishna conscious concept. So in the meantime, if any of you have any questions, you may kindly ask. How did you come to Krishna consciousness? You want to repeat the question in the moment? Well, uh, it's a long story, I'm trying to make it short. Uh, I was brought up in England. 
At a young age, I was uh, feeling much dissatisfied with the whole way of life. I didn't want to join what is called the rat race. In other words, I was brought up to go to school, then university, and then earn plenty of money. My father had plans for me to study law at Oxford University. But uh, I could see that people are not satisfied. Why should I follow them? Why should I go down the path which I can see leads simply to misery? So I became interested to find out that there is more meaning to life simply than earning lots of money and without any higher value. And after considering many different philosophical systems, I became convinced by Krishna consciousness uh, as a complete philosophical system and a practical method of reviving our God consciousness. I can understand there must be God and the goal of life should be to search for God. Uh, but at the same time, I was uh, dissatisfied with the Catholic religion I was brought up because they taught that if you don't believe in Jesus, and specifically if you're not a Catholic, then that's it, you're finished. You, you have no hope in the future. You're going to hell forever. But I thought that, well, even my own father, if I do something wrong, he punishes me, then he gives me another chance. So surely if we do something wrong, God will give us another chance. So therefore, uh, it's, it just seemed apparent to me that there must be reincarnation. Which means that God gives us chance after chance to become purified. And uh, I also wasn't very satisfied because I saw that the priests, just like our local priest, he was a chain smoker and an alcoholic. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't very inspiring. So in Christian consciousness, I found a, a, a philosophical explanation that was that seemed. Uh, in concordance with axioms of reality. I was also uh, concerned that I didn't want to just join some group that someone had invented just a few years ago. So I was very satisfied that Krishna consciousness was based on scriptural knowledge, ancient scriptural knowledge. And also the way of life in Krishna consciousness, no meat eating, no intoxication, I could understand that these things are required if we're going to become spiritually purified. I remember once, uh, before I joined this Krishna conscious movement, I was visiting various supposed to be spiritual places. So one place I went to, a Christian monastery, they asked me to come into the back entrance. And outside the door there was a big stack of crates of empty beer bottles, the strongest beer, it was higher than my head. So I didn't even go inside. Yeah. You can understand that there's no elevated spiritual consciousness here. So if a uh, religious system is to be bona fide, it should uh, be based on ancient scriptures. It should have a cogent and complete uh, system of theology and philosophy. It should um, have should follow principles of purity and it should give us a practical system by which we can develop our spiritual consciousness. And it should teach us about God, the Supreme Person, not just some vague ideas of nebulous spirit, spirituality. So all these things are there in Krishna consciousness. Therefore I had to do it. 
Some other question? Why did the Lord allow Kaliyu to be so nasty? What is the sense of this Kaliyu in this nasty age? This nastiness that we are experiencing in the modern world, that is produced by us. Because we are engaging in nasty activities, therefore the whole atmosphere is filled with nastiness. Just like, for instance, the average person goes to the bazaar and purchases some meat and things at home and eats it. And we think, well, this is a very normal thing to do. But actually, uh, eating meat means that an animal has been unnecessarily slaughtered. And so this kind of violence is going on, and as a result, the whole atmosphere is polluted. So we ourselves are creating the situation. We don't have to do all these things, but we do. God gives us a little independence to choose how to act. So, although the present world situation is so nasty that people can perform all kinds of horrible activities, we can change them. We chant Hare Krishna, that will purify the atmosphere. And uh, if we stop committing these uh, sinful activities, that will also purify the atmosphere. The main thing that everyone is scared of is death. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you are not afraid of death, then what are you afraid of? Don't repeat the questions. Mm-hmm. From the question, it seems that we think that we should be afraid of something. But actually, in the spiritual condition, we become fearless. There is, there is actually no need to be afraid. But in material consciousness, we're afraid. We're afraid of death, we're afraid of injury and disease, we're afraid of uh, losing our money or our home, we're afraid of losing our youthful energy and good looks, we're afraid that people will insult us and to lose our prestige. We have so many fears. But when we understand that I'm not a body, I'm an eternal spirit soul, then we become fearless. Can you speak more loudly? I can't Well, we have some difficulties when we are tired of life. What should we think of? When we have difficulties and we are tired of life, that is a good opportunity to think about what is our actual situation in the material world. Actually, we always have difficulties at every moment. Sometimes we are more aware of them and less so. Now, different people react in different ways to difficulties. Some people get drunk, some people beat their dog, some people beat their wife, some people uh, they just watch the TV and try to forget it all. Some people become depressed. But actually, uh, if we are facing difficulties, the best thing is to be introspective and to consider what is the purpose of life. If we consider that now I am facing difficulties, uh, we should consider that actually there are always difficulties. If we consider this philosophically, uh, there, there are different ways, yeah, there are different ways to consider this philosophically. Uh, some people, they, they philosophically conclude that everything is meaningless, there's no meaning to it. But um, a better philosophical approach is to consider that although in material life it is full of difficulties, uh, there is spiritual life beyond this world of difficulties. I was speaking about Bhagavad Gita. So Bhagavad Gita was spoken when Arjuna, he was facing tremendous difficulty in his life. A great dilemma that uh, he was about to enter battle together with his army against his cousin brother's army. Now on the one hand, his brother and his brother's forces, they were all looking to him to lead them in the battle. He was their main hope. 
On the other hand, he was reluctant to fight against his cousin brothers. So in this moment of great difficulty, he turned to Krishna and asked him that, you see, we don't ask, we don't want the difficulties come, but these difficulties have come from us. What shall we do? So Krishna, um, he brought Arjuna to a completely different level of examining the situation, different level of consciousness. Krishna uh, taught Arjuna to come to the platform of spiritual consciousness, of seeing that in this material world there are always difficulties, that we cannot avoid them. But at the same time, while living in this world and performing what duties we are, uh, we are enjoined to perform, we should develop our spiritual consciousness and thus transcend the conditions of this material world. So if you're feeling difficulties, the best thing is to consider, well, there are difficulties and we can't avoid them. Even if we avoid one difficult situation, another difficult situation will come. So the best thing is to examine the whole situation philosophically and try to understand how to come to a higher platform of consciousness so that we're not affected by the difficulties that we inevitably have. I think if we have to sign, someone should stand there because people are leaving. So if anyone's leaving, we should give them some percent. So, any other questions? Thank you. Uh, can you explain in more detail about visiting of the moon, this problem? Because we had some uh, evidence not only from astronauts that, got, that went there, but also from uh, other spaceships without pilots. Mm-hmm. And uh, how should devotees deal with this problem if they didn't come to any conclusion themselves for themselves? Then, what do you think? Actually, this is, a, this is an sure. esoteric question which is not so suitable to cover the problem. Mm. It's a detailed question which is not very suitable. Others, well, they won't understand. Ask me what to How to get rid of depression by means of religion? Chant Hare Krishna. If it doesn't help. Chant more. Dance. In Krishna consciousness, we chant Hare Krishna and dance. So it's very, it's very difficult to be depressed if you're dancing. Depression means we're thinking about ourselves too much. We're thinking how much, how I would like the situation to be different for my own pleasure. Krishna consciousness teaches us to focus our desires on pleasing Krishna. There's no depression in Krishna consciousness. Can you describe the mantra meditation? What are Actually, I'm forgetting to have a question spoken about emotion. Mm-hmm. Can you describe mental meditation, uh, which is levels, and how to get ready for it, how to practice it? Can you speak it again? Yeah, actually, the technique is extremely simple. One simply has to repeat the mantra. There's, it's not even required that there's any preliminary uh, preparation. Anyone in any time or place or circumstance can chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Actually, I, I wrote a book which is called First Steps in Krishna Consciousness, which describes how we can take this up in a practical way, which describes the uh, practically how we can take this up in our lives. So we have some of these books here in Russian, if you want, we can take them also. You can also uh, meet with our devotees, of course, I don't know I was here for yesterday and today, I'm going this evening, but we have devotees residing in the city who can help you and guide you in all these techniques. 
Well, okay. Actually, we will do some more singing of Hare Krishna, and you can join in also. Uh, you are traveling two or three months. How are you concentrating while traveling? Two or three months a year. Yeah, generally we think that uh, to meditate we should sit in one place. But actually the, uh, the real meaning of meditation is to make the mind fixed. So if the mind is fixed, even the body can move, but the mind will remain fixed. Whereas we see that some people, they sit in one place to meditate, but the mind is moving. So it's better that the body moves and the mind is fixed on Krishna, than the body sits still and the mind is moving all over the universe. But specifically, this uh, chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra is a very powerful method of spiritual purification. So even though we travel constantly every day, we spend some hours chanting Hare Krishna. Let's do that now. Um, yeah, actually there are two ways of chanting Hare Krishna. One is on beads, you see. Another is by singing. So let's sing Hare Krishna a little more. It's very simple and very easy. We invite you to join in. The system is that uh, one person sings and then others follow in the same tune. So please join us. And then after that we'll uh, distribute some of this spiritual vegetarian food.